Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Coffee and cream with Rogers and Benning on Hale Varsity Radio. We almost wonder... You want to miss here. Do you, are you better off missing this? Jones with one more. Misses it. Shireman the rebound. Heaves it up well short. And Marquette grabs a giant road win at Creighton. Man, was that as close to a foul? Two. Stop. As Shireman gets that board and hucks it up. If you, you, if you are Shaka Smart, are you, like, talking to Cam at the end of the game and, th- and saying, like, hey, uh, let's not get that close no, next time? I think because I, they've been whistle happy. Yeah, I think given what was going on in that game, you're just happy that the clock finally hit zero if you're on the good side. I think he's probably like, man, let's get out of here. This, this was, was dicey from the jump. That's way too close to, for comfort <laughs> for me, trying to play defense on a three-quarter heave. Dicey from the jump. Hey, let's uh, keep this conversation going with our guy, Matt DeMarinas. He is a white and blue review contributor contributor, excuse me, on the stream right now with us, if you can catch us Matt. live on YouTube, live on Twitter. Matt, good morning, man. Morning, fellas. How we doing, Maddie? How are you, buddy? I'm good. A little sleep deprived, but I'm good. <laughs> so, I, I, Matt, I, start here though. Can can I can I ask this? I was just gonna say I didn't know when we wanted to book him early in the week. I was like, hey, we got to get Maddie D on this week. Perfect time. I had and we said like Wednesday so he could get the big time slot. I had no idea that this game was going right. to happen the night before. So. Yeah, you know, Matt, all I really want to ask you is your initial reactions to the game now that you've had over 12 hours to kind of let it soak in. Yeah, the, I mean, the prevailing thing is that Tyler Kolick was incredible. Uh, basically, as soon as Marquette hit panic zone, because it's, it's really rare when a coach has to call two timeouts that. in one half, and you – that's – that's a sign that the coach feels like his team is 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 wilting a little bit and needs a wake up call or just needs something to really lock in. And for Shaka to have to call two timeouts in the first half, kind of let me know that he felt like his team was was on the way to getting their doors blown off. And that when you when they came out of that, Tyler Kolek was a different human being. I mean. I think Creighton had done a good job of kind of bottling him up, either bottling him up or him just maybe not being as involved as he needed to be. I think it's probably a little bit of both. But uh, after that point, when Marquette hit that danger zone, he took the game over, and, and especially in the second half and down the stretch, just an absolutely masterful perform. One of the best individual performances I've seen all season in terms of controlling so many facets of the game from pace to movement offensively, to where guys are supposed to be, to getting to his own kill spots inside and outside the arc, to finding guys um, after manipulating defenders to to draw attention to himself. Like, just an absolutely dynamite performance from that guy. Yes. I mean, 
the, unbelievable. This is why I love like so, so everybody. Oh, you know, you're a huge Maddie fan. You know, yada yada yada. And I'm like, so this is kind of some of the cool things that I like about you, though. Like you're the ultimate fan, but you do media work, so you have this like pretty cool balance of being able to to be retrospective and and still give analysis. So I'm glad you got. We've got some time here because I want to ask you something that is right in your wheelhouse. What do you think in that environment was the difference when you referenced the timeouts that that Shaka called? Creighton had got it to 12. They come out of the second timeout and immediately go to work. They scored, Mm -hmm. I think it was a 7-0 run. Um, They cut the deficit. And so you think, okay, they're going to be hanging around versus – the quick timeouts that Matt called in the second half when they were turning the ball over early and it took his team a little bit of time to kind of respond. What what do you think was the difference in how those messages were received given the similarities of why the timeouts were called? Yeah, I think there was a mentality shift when you looked at the, just the tenor of each team's attitude towards – how the game was being played out. I think when you when you saw Creighton up 12 and Marquette, you know, basically punting timeouts to try to get <laughs> something going, you know, I think Creighton felt really good about how the game was transpiring in terms of the things they were doing to make Marquette out of, get out of Marquette out of rhythm and off schedule offensively versus what they were getting on the other end of the floor and how easy it was. I mean, they were getting to the rent. They, they were like, 78% at the rim. Um, I think at that point they were still perfect. And they were also getting really good looks from three. They hadn't they they started off ice cold, but once Mason Miller and Francisco Farabello came in and knocked a couple down off the bench, that kind of broke lifted the lid off the basket from three-point line. And uh it just the, the quality of offense for Creighton was was A plus. And after that second timeout, I feel like to some degree, Kate, Creighton came out and thought this is going pretty easily so far. We just stick with what we're doing; it'll be all right. And Marquette dialed it up, and I think you saw them come out of the locker room with a different level of intensity on Marquette's side. And Creighton just never was able to match it until you got to about that under eight spot in the game where they were down ten and desperate at that point. Uh, so I think something changed with Marquette's mentality that allowed them to overcome what was at that point, all Creighton on both ends of the floor. And, you know, at the, it, Creighton did come back in the game. They didn't, you know, give themselves a chance to win. But I think you just ultimately ran out of time in that in that aspect. But Marquette dialed up their intensity to a level that was championship level. And, and you in the second half, when you look at the type of defense they're playing, how disruptive they're being and how efficient they were offensively, that – that was a team that said, we got 20 minutes to basically win a championship today. Let's let's get it done, and that's what they did. Hey, speaking of overcoming things, how quickly does Creighton need to overcome this game, put it behind them, and look forward? You know, Because there was so much that happened, so many emotions in this basketball game. How do they quickly put this one behind them and say, look, we still have a job to do? Do you need me to pull up Justin Moore's – clip reel from last night oh my gosh his po- boy. his post game was sensational too though like i am he's I a am, real dude i am amazed that he's back to that form this quickly after what he had to go through that's 
they're 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 they are legitimately some cyborgs at Villanova. Like, I, and I he legitimately almost years. choked on a dunk too. Like, it, and he and he was unflappable. He's like, yeah, okay, maybe I don't have my bounce, but I got some other game. Seriously, that's a that's a that's a bad dude feeling really good right now. And Max said it in the post game uh, immediately is the how quickly they need to wipe this and move on because the Big East regular season title, for all intents and purposes, unless Marquette you know chokes it away at this point, is is wrapped up. So the goals from here on out are bounce back, get some mojo going, start playing your best basketball because you need to be. You know, you need to look, start looking towards New York, start looking to NCAA tournament seating, and all of that starts with Villanova. You have to be able to – it actually starts with practice. The, you know, the I think they'll probably take today off, but whenever they get back in the gym, it starts with that prep. They have to be mentally ready for everything Villanova is going to do and, and not so much uh, about this game anymore. Undersell. Have to be quick. Undersell, oversell, much ado about nothing. It feels like – this is just me – it feels like we're kind of underselling the the in between inside the walls coaching jobs that this staff has to do with this team, right? Coaching a lot of good players that was the start of the season, embracing roles that was part of it. You had some ebb and flows of some early season struggles. You got to revisit the Nimhart Alexander Kaluma Kalkbrenner synergy. You get it going. Nimhart kind of gets a little bit of backlash. He gets it going. Kaluma gets benched last night. You're going to have to start there. Sharman was struggling. Are we underselling what's happening or what has to happen that we're not seeing on the basketball court? Or is this just simply the cost of doing business of a top 20 program? To some degree, a little elements of all of what you just laid out there, not to kind of cop out, but you know, I, I don't think it's, I don't think they're going through anything unique in terms of trying to find a way to make five guys on the floor click at the same time or to a high enough level where you're, where you're seeing consistency. The thing that the challenge going forward now will be to try to get that as close to what we just laid out there as possible from here on out because time's running out now it's you're almost to one and done mode at this point you know because you have nova georgetown DePaul left and then it's then it's then it's elimination games the rest of the season so it, it the the thing that is a little off right now and, and you're starting to see it in their metrics offensively there has been a dip in terms of their effectiveness over the last probably month of february now the 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 pushback on that is they've also played some elite defensive teams in that stretch. So there is give and take there, right? You can't, you're not going to be lighting up UConn, Providence, uh, you know, those teams like that on a nightly basis. So there has to be something there that is understood from the outside looking in. But yeah, Creighton needs to figure out a way to, to get some more, you mentioned synergy, some more like just, flow within that main five and also incorporate what is a surging um, bench unit all of a sudden. Like Sharif Mitchell is playing the best basketball of his career or not his career, but of the season. Mason Miller is playing the best basketball of his career and season. And Francisco Verabello had a good night last night. He hit a three. He had a steal in the lane defensively. He made a nice backdoor read uh, and passed to Nemhard for a tough finish late when they needed a bucket. So he's starting to come together, um, and you're starting to see that 
the the you know you can rely on eight or nine guys now when the five aren't working, and that's what Creighton went to last night. Um, but yeah, it, uh, they have to figure out a way to get Kalkbrenner more involved offensively, not just with ball screens, but with touches. Because I think I still think a lot of good things come when he gets touches, and Marquette. Marquette did a really good job of swarming him, you know, and it, it reminded me of football a little bit because they had kind of like bracket coverage. It wasn't always zone, but it was always there was always a backside threat uh, chasing down, you know, getting to him on airtime. There was always, you know, guys fronting the post. I thought Oso Igador did a great job of kind of having a hand in front of the in the passing lane at all times, and it just made Creighton hesitant to throw the ball into the big man and. They have to figure out a way to get him, get the ball in his hands. Because it just, the defense, his gravity opens up everything for everybody else. So they have to figure out a way to incorporate him more. It's not just about shot attempts. It's about touches. You can't just be involved in ball screens and re-screens. He has to get touches too. Okay, so that's the thing, right? Because, and I was saying this to Andrew in the first segment, Marquette ran a lot of the same action the majority of the night, especially with the low-hole ball screens, letting Kolick kind of kind of go to work with those low ball screens, right? And it really started to be effective late in the game. And I think it was even Nimhart in the postgame that said, listen, they ran a lot of the same action. Talking about Kolkbrenner, because I was a little shocked that he only had the five, the six, I think it was four or five, the five shot attempts. Mm-hmm. How much of it is the action with those ball screens, if he could just face up or maybe have the threat of putting the ball on the deck? Because I think that's really the only difference between him and Iguodala, right, was he would face Kalk up, and sometimes the drop coverage, it was like, oh, boy, we're giving him room to work, and he's going to hit the little floater or something like that. And then Kolek got busy. It's not in it's not in Kalkbrenner's game, I don't think, so you're not going to just start at this stage of the season. But how can they make it a, a different sort of ball screen game without his back to the basket? Uh. Well, I think you have to be you have to be able to manipulate the the, def- the defense with the ball. So I think one thing that Creighton got away from last night was pass fakes. Like they didn't. Oh, move. Mac was heated <laughs> over that. Yeah, <laughs> they didn't. They didn't. They didn't move the defense's eyes and feet. Like I'm telling you, in college, there's very little space to operate. That's why you see guys that you know have some raw talent that you usually are better offensively at the next level, even though it's harder. Um, there's more space to operate at the next level than there is in college. Like teams, you usually have a guy on your team in college that doesn't need to be guarded, so a t- so defenses can sag in, plug the lane. Not you don't have much much space to operate. With Kalkbrenner and Creighton last night, they they just got away from moving the defense with the pass fake, and it doesn't take much. All you got to get, all you needed is a guy to be a step out of position, or you know, late with what he's reading defensively, and then the ball gets to where it needs to go, and then you can flow off of it. So that's the one thing that Creighton got away from last night. That They were picking Marquette apart pretty early in the game, and I think they, they probably thought this is going to be pretty easy work tonight. Um, mm. And they just kind of got away from the simple things that create high-quality looks. And that's why you saw the turnovers come, you know, in rapid succession in the second half because – Creighton was just kind of thinking they could get wherever they wanted to get and didn't have to do the little things like pass fakes or, you know, get into the teeth of defense and jump stop and, you know, pivot one or two times and and spray it out and get moving off of that and cutting. So I think 
it, it, it that's kind of what Creighton needs to do offensively in order to get Kalkbrenner involved because especially against teams that are long like Marquette. Um, you have to be able to manipulate them with pass fakes and things like that. Keep it here. Outside of the fact that Marquette did a really good job of swarming down low, do you think the lack of shot production from Kalkbrenner comes because he doesn't really go to his left hand? He's the type of guy that likes to back down a defender and, and roll, and whether it's do a hook or use his right hand and kind of whip his left shoulder down? Because I don't see him too often take what he's getting and, you know, turn his body around toward the hoop if he's on the right side of the basket. Does that make sense? Um, so if To he gets- some degree, I think he's really good going over his shoulders, though. It's, it's, it's all about where he how catch. much position he can get early. And yeah. if he can get an early seal, that's where he, – he has to have a touch there. That's what I mean. Like, there's times where in possessions he'll get an early seal and the ball won't be delivered. So he has to come all the way back out from the rim, set a ball screen, another screen – and then usually that gets reversed right. on the other side of the yeah. floor. He right, and like, I'm with like, that. Yeah. I'm with that. So, but when he has positioning down low, uh, and he say he's on the the right block, or I guess the left block in this case, and he gets the ball and he does his, his so-called back down to the defender, instead of going left ever, or bringing his right yeah. shoulder down and going up with his left, it tends to feel like he only wants to go up with his right, which is obvious. It's his dominant hand, but – it. Could you get more production out of him if he went left, or is that just completely out of the question because you won't get as much good production out of him if he does try to utilize his left hand? Yeah, I, 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 that's a tough question for me to answer. I'd have to go back and kind of look at his possessions, but I feel like he's really good on the left block. Like That's where a lot of his production comes from, just in memory. And I know he hit a righty jump hook against Butler that I can remember over Manny Bates where he went over his left shoulder, and then last night, he had Oso isolated on the left block, and he kind of drove to the lane like he was going to go to that righty jump hook, and then he spun left and finished it off the glass. Yeah. He had another and one that just lipped out off of a spin left. So I think he's actually pretty good on the left block, just off memory. But, um, yeah, that's a, that's a pretty fair question. I have to go back and look at the, the you know, break down the tape to give you a better answer, unfortunately. Matt, let, me, let me ask you something philosophically. Again, I'm going to stay right in your wheelhouse. What's the difference, in your opinion, between a team saying, hey, that's who we are, these are the kind of shots we take, versus kind of self-awareness in the moment? where you maybe need a paint touch. You maybe don't need to shoot, you know, the 28-footer for the heat check, even though that is it's kind of who you're capable of being. Like, is, is, there a, is there a tug of war there, or do you not really have a problem with shot selection with, with Creighton? In particular last night where I thought some of it got away from him in terms of, of getting those paint touches. Well, the thing that, the thing, the thing for me is it shouldn't be because paint touches are a priority for Creighton. That's the getting inside and out is the basis of their whole system. You know, you want so, so how do I so how do I so how do I rationalize only five field goal attempts and ten of twenty eight yeah. from three? Yeah, I don't. That's that that was tough for me to compartmentalize <laughs> last night too. As I'm watching, I'm like, you know, Creighton hasn't missed inside the arc yet. Yet they're zero for eight from three, and they've only taken four twos. Like. You know what That's I mean? Early. Oh You're, yeah. Oh yeah. It, 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 my, I, always, I always say this too, and people kind of laugh at me because they think I'm kind of dumbing it down too much. But I think this game is about math, in my opinion. Like, you have to be able. You're trying to be more efficient than your opponent at the end of the day, because that's going to be reflected on the scoreboard. And and I am. I do subscribe to the make shot, miss shot, as long as what you're getting is quality. 
but I do I am more in the in line with balance. I think if you have opportunities to score inside and you're doing it effectively, you have to be able to keep going in there and create situations for yourself to the point where you almost force a defense to sell out to stop that to create the other part of the game, which is the three-point shot. And I thought Creighton started the game a little three-point happy. Now, the looks they were getting, you could argue, were good, but when you're 0 for 8 from 3 and and 4 for 4 from 2, the math is kind of beating you over the head at that point, like get the ball inside the arc, find a way to get to the rim, find a way to get caught. DeMar DeRozan, Devin Booker, right? Like Kawhi Leonard, you're efficient enough with twos. Yeah, like if you're, yeah, like don't hate, don't hate what's working for you, you know, like just go keep going to it until Marquette stops you. Yeah. I mean, that's what Marquette did last. Marquette to go five of 18, 18 from three, that's atypical for them. They shoot it better than that. But you know what was working for them? Yeah, they shoot everything, oh, 60% everything inside of two. They got downhill in the lane, like, you know what, this is kind of pretty effective. Let's stick with it here. Let's, you know, they only took 10 threes in the second half. Um, you know, they just kept going inside and inside and, you know, they got to the rim. They weren't afraid to try to challenge Kalkbenner. Uh, they did a good job manipulating defenses and, and drawing people to the ball handler and then playing off of him with cutters. Uh, I think, the you know, Marquette's cutting efficiency last night has to be off the charts because it felt like every time they got the ball inside, someone was coming off the other weak side of the floor, you know, into a passing window for an easy layup or a dunk. So, or to get fouled and go to the free throw line. So, um, yeah, you just kind of have to fi- figure out what's working for you in the game process it in the moment, and then go to it until the other team makes you do something else. We're talking to Matt DeMarinas at MJ DeMarinas on Twitter. Matt, at this stage in the season, how critical, how crucial have the bench points been for Creighton? He, he started last... this early in the non-con. <laughs> right. He's like, hey, guys. <laughs> in the last few couple games, whatever you want to say, especially when you have a situation like last night where Kaluma finds his way to the bench. Yeah, well, look, it's it, I can put this as simply as possible. The more guys you have on a scouting report that have to be accounted for, accounted for from an opposing defense makes you tough to beat on a short prep. And at this point, we're getting to the point in the year where short preps are all these teams are going to have. Um, so the more options that Creighton has from a coaching staff perspective, where they think, like, look, you know, we've gotten three or four kind of dud minutes out of player A. Let's give player B some reps and see if we can change the complexion of the game here. And honestly, like the way Marquette started the second half, who changed the complexion of that? Sharif Mitchell's defense, Mason Miller banging a three. Um, late in the game, Francisco Barabello, I mentioned the backdoor read he made to Nemhard. Like those guys contributed. I and mean, t- and, and it, two and of it, those three had two of the only three plus minuses. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Farabello, right. Mitchell, and Kalkbrenner were the only three with with a plus. Exactly. And and honestly, look at the start of the game too, even though Creighton played pretty well for that first, you know, fifteen or so minutes and and then finished the half pretty well. Um the first two threes of the game were guys off the bench. You know what I mean? Yeah. Guys that A and Farabello haven't been hitting shots all season, and another guy in Mason Miller whose minutes have kind of been, you know, uh a roller coaster ride throughout the year. So those are the two guys that broke the seal for you in the first half and got your offense really it got your offense going to the point where Shaka Smart's looking at the stat sheet going, okay, they haven't missed inside the arc, and now these bench guys that we really didn't, you know, scout to take away tendencies of are banging threes in our face. Like, this is panic zone. Like I'm I need to I need to get this thing, you know, buttoned up here, otherwise we're in trouble. 
Uh, better case to be made for a fishing. And I, God, this was a fast 20 minutes. Uh, <laughs> Creighton women at UConn or, or last night at CHI? The better case for what? To be made about, to be upset about officiating. Oh, man. <laughs> Uh no, I this is the this is the running thing I tell people all the time. As bad as you think the officiating is on the men's side, you have not the people that only watch one or the other, you have not you have not experienced anything. Like this last night I, I didn't even I barely batted an eye last night. I know other people disagree. And honestly, one thing I haven't seen on the women's side is a ref squaring up to a coach. That's hey, <laughs> That's new for me. I've seen bad calls on um, on on the women's side, but I haven't seen a ref square up to a coach yet. So that was new. that was a new experience in in in, in refing. But no, the you the game at Gamble was a far far bigger robbery than anything that transpired last night. I thought there were more there were more situations that Creighton could have controlled that would have made the officiating null and void last night that they didn't, and it and it brought the officiating into the equation. And then you start going back over foul, no foul, like, mm-hmm. you know, what you can call when, like, you know, didn't Emhard foul Cam Jones at the end of the game? By the letter of the law, yeah. By the way, the game was officiated for 40 minutes, no. Like, <laughs> so you can go back and forth on that all day. The bottom line from last night is Creighton lost more lopsidedly, is that a word, in the controllable area to Marquette than they did in the officiating. The game at Gamble was absolutely just ripped away from the team that outplayed the other team. So that's not even – it's not even in the same stratosphere. No. Absolutely. Oh. I, t- I want – no, that's what people need to understand. Hey, let's it's just remember, too, that this happened in the regular season we, and not in conference we got a championship chance. play or March Madness. Hey, we, thanks, We love Matty D. Thanks, Matty. Appreciate you guys. Have a good one. You too. That's Matt DeMarinas, White and Blue Review contributor. Coming up next, as we continue our roster breakdown, we move over to running backs, which Coach Rule was taking a peek on over uh, last night's, uh, let's just say, uh, old footage. He went into the archives. <laughs> That's next.